So we're going to kick it off with Bill Greenleaf. He has generously um, given some time to teach us about the basics of solar financing. So I will um, hand it over to Bill. Thank you, Tish, and hello, everyone out there. Uh, it's um, delighted to be here this afternoon and, and share a little bit about solar financing. Um, I'm with Virginia Community Capital, and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, VCC, but mostly talk about um, solar deployment and financing. I run the Clean Energy Lending Program at VCC, which we started three years ago. So first, uh, just one slide about VCC. We're a nonprofit lender. Uh, we're what's called a community development financial institution, which means, uh, which is a de designation we get from the United States Treasury Department. It means that 60% of the loans we make need to be in low or moderate income census tracts. We focus on affordable housing, small business lending, fresh food and healthy food lending, and then more recently, about three years ago, we started our solar lending and energy efficiency program. We are a Virginia-only statewide lender. And in 2017, we made close to $5 million in solar loans, about, that's about nine or, nine or 10 different solar projects across Virginia. So as some of you may or may not know, I'm just going to touch uh, briefly on um, you know, what's going on with solar deployment in Virginia before I go into financing. We, uh, as you may know, that there's been some school districts that have put solar uh, in Charlottesville's Evermore County um, has entered into a solar PPA with a company. And more recently, Middlesex County in the eastern side of Virginia is entered into a power purchase agreement to put a one megawatt solar facility. Also on the college and hospital front, um, there are three universities that are three or four universities that have, have deployed solar on the campus. And then the first hospital uh, is the new, is the Carillion Clinic, New River Valley Medical Center, which is south of Christiansburg, they they put about a, a one megawatt solar farm on their property. On the commercial industrial, there's not as much going on there compared to um, the other sectors, but there is a manufacturing facility in Central Virginia that put an 850 kilowatt solar array on the rooftop. And as probably most of you have heard uh, or read in the newspaper, you know, Amazon and Facebook and some other big corporate users, they've, and as well as Dominion, have started to build what, what, what we call utility scale solar farms in Virginia. These are solar projects that are 20 megawatts or, you know, are 5, 10, 20 megawatts. These are very large solar facilities. And there's been a fair amount of residential rooftop. Solar deployed also, um, mostly from what I can tell, mostly in the kind of Charlottesville, Stanton, Harrisonburg area, and a little bit in Northern Virginia and Fredericksburg and Richmond's kind of has not been a leader in deploying solar. And, and lastly, I want to also touch, there's been two municipal utilities in Virginia that have deployed solar. The town of Bedford, which is south of Lynchburg, they 
they entered into a contract for a three megawatt solar system. And then the city of Danville has their own municipal utility. They also uh, did a six megawatt solar farm. So it's starting to spread across the, the state. I'd say 2016 was the beginning of kind of widespread adoption, but really in it, with it growing substantially in 2017. And I want to touch briefly on the tax incentives. You may or may not have heard about these. There's a 30% federal investment tax credit. So if you, whether you're a business or a homeowner, uh, there's a 30% tax credit for solar. And then if you're a business, uh, you can expense the entire cost of the solar system uh, in the first year. But if, if you're a homeowner, then you cannot do that. That's just one distinction there. So those two tax incentives are pretty important drivers for businesses to consider investing in solar. They definitely help re reduce the payback period. I'm going to touch now at a high level on some financing models. Uh, one is, you know, like our our bank, we're, uh, we make what's called traditional bank loans on solar. These are short-term loans, five to 10 years, where we'll finance 75 to 90% of the purchase price of the solar system. So example, last year, we made one of these loans to a, a winery, a retail store, and it was uh, an office building, a printing company, a horse vet, just to give you an example of some of the businesses in Virginia that have reached out to us to get a bank loan. There's another type of financing that's been more widely used in the energy efficiency sector, that's energy performance contracting. And that's typically when you have a, a company that comes in and does a big overhaul of all your heating, cooling, lighting, and building automation control system. And the it's mostly sold to local governments and school systems. Those projects are are what's called, you know, the it's where the energy savings pays for the loan payments. So for the local government or school system, they're cash flow neutral. I have not seen one of those used yet for for solar, but it, it's, it's a possibility. I just wanted to make you aware of that. It's a pretty commonly used method to finance energy efficiency, energy forms contracting. Next is a is another model called PACE, which is Property Assessed Clean Energy. It got started in Berkeley, California in 2009. It spread to about 30 states. Uh, we have a PACE program in Virginia. It's a loan program for renewable energy and energy efficiency. The loan is is repaid on your real estate tax bill. It's kind of set up as a voluntary special assessment on the property. Therefore, these Loans are long-term loans or 15 to 20-year loans. Uh, banks make these loans. There's our private lenders make these loans, but it, it requires each locality to set up their own PACE program. So they each locality has to pass an ordinance. Uh, it's been a pretty popular program in in states where it got started a few years ago. And Arlington County is the first county in Virginia to launch a PACE program. And other localities are looking uh, to adopt it as well. It's a very kind of a complicated loan program, and I don't really have time in this webinar to go into the details, but just to know that it's a very attractive 
way to finance renewable energy projects for a building owner because he can get a long-term loan and get 100% financing. But it does require the local government to pass an ordinance and set up a PACE lending program. Next, I want to talk about uh, the kind of the two ways that solar has been deployed in Virginia. Uh, the first is through a power purchase agreement, and the second is through the, the direct ownership model. And I want to talk about how those two methods get financed. So again, I'm going to touch on this material at a, at a high level, and then if anybody wants to dive into it, we can do that, get details, you can ask those in questions. So first, a power purchase agreement. It is a contract between the electricity user or consumer and the owner of the solar system. So in this case, you have a third party that owns the solar facility and he's selling the electrons to the building owner. So for instance, Albemarle County Public Schools did a power purchase agreement. Third party owns the solar system on their rooftop of those schools and they're selling the electrons. These are typically 15 to 20 year contracts. Uh, they are legal in only Dominion, Virginia Power Service Area as a pilot program, which is capped at 50 megawatts. So far, there's only been about two megawatts of solar deployed under the pilot PPA program so far. The power purchase agreement pilot does not allow for residential users to benefit from it. And um, it does not, it's not, you cannot do a power purchase agreement in an electric cooperative area. So if you're on, you know, Central Virginia Electric Cooperative or Rappahannock Electric Cooperative, you're not able to, to legally enter into a power purchase agreement with a solar provider. There's a limited power purchase agreement availability in Appalachian Power Service Area, which is of Southwest Virginia. They passed a law last year allowing PPAs in the footprint of, of some colleges down there, but that's about it. For the utilities, it's a threat to their business model, so they're not really anxious to jump in to allow power purchase agreements. because it's your, your, And so basically it's obvious, you're, instead of paying the, the utility for electrons, you're paying a third party owner of the solar system, so the utility ends up losing money revenue through a power purchase agreement. But they're pretty popular across the country. So the, the two primary benefits to an electricity user through a power purchase agreement, first is there's no upfront cost for the electricity user. You know, you don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to borrow any money. You don't have to put any money down. All you are is you're just purchasing electricity from a third party. So rather than writing that, that check to the utility company, you're writing it to the owner of the solar system. And probably more importantly, the second reason is if you're a nonprofit or local government, you cannot use the tax incentives. You don't have taxable income and therefore you can't use the, the tax credit. So the power purchase agreement is a great way for a local government or school system to cap to realize the benefits of the tax incentives, but without actually being able to use them because the owner of that solar system is going to be a for-profit company and they are going to 
be able to use the tax incentives and therefore pass those savings, pass the benefit of those tax incentives on to you, the electricity purchaser. That's why in Virginia, you'll probably always see school systems and uh, local governments use power purchase agreements because one, they don't have to put any money down, no money up front, they don't, they don't have to borrow any money, and two, um, they get the electricity at a price that reflects the, the tax incentives that are available for a for-profit entity. So I just wanna kind of highlight the kind of the four parties involved in a power purchase agreement. You've got what's called the solar project developer. That's the owner of the solar system. They enter into a long-term contract with the electricity buyer. And that solar project developer has to uh, finance that project. So he's gonna do two things. He's gonna find a tax credit equity investor usually somebody that has a taxable income and they're looking to you know, use the solar tax credits. So that tax credit equity investor is going to invest in that solar project to get the tax benefits. So he's gonna put some cash into that cost to help finance the project. And then that solar project developer is gonna to have to also go to a bank and get some bank financing to help pay for the cost of that solar project that he wants to build. So we've made some loans at VCC to support power purchase agreements. I just want to kind of highlight how we look at these, these projects and how they get financed. Um, typically, we'll finance you know, up to 60% of the project cost. And these are short-term loans, five- or seven-year loans. And what we're really looking for is to make sure that the the, the purchaser of the electricity is a, a long-term financially stable enterprise. So for instance, if we were to make a loan on the Albemarle County school system power purchase agreement, for us, that would be a very kind of a low risk loan because Albemarle County schools has, you know, is very financially stable and is not gonna go anywhere. So uh, it's a high likelihood that banks can get comfortable making these types of loans because usually the, the electricity user tends to be a pretty financially strong entity. Next, I'm going to talk about uh, the kind of direct ownership model. So that's where you end up as a business or homeowner, just purchase the solar system. You can use the tax benefits. They're also responsible for the operations and maintenance costs of the solar system. And in this case, you know, there are several ways to, or several banks to that will offer financing for solar. So on the residential side, there's going to be, um, there are national lenders that have residential solar loan programs. On the business side, uh, there are local banks like Virginia Community Capital that will finance the project um, to the business, will loan up to 90% of the purchase price. These are typically our 10 year loans the interest rate depends how strong the borrower is, how much, how strong their cash flow is, but interest rates can be from five and five and a half percent. At our bank, we're looking for businesses that have been around for at least seven years and have, you know, been profitable the past few years and have enough cash flow from the business to, you know, make the loan payments for the, for the solar system. 
I believe that wraps up uh, my presentation. Again, it was just a high-level overview, and I'm happy to take questions. Okay, um, we'll start with a question here in the room first. John? Bill, uh, hi, this is John Haydock. Thank you for that overview. That was um, really helpful, and you referenced Albemarle County a couple of times, and so I had a couple of questions specific uh, to that as kind of a case example. So Albemarle County has um, benefited from the PPA that they have, and they've also recognized the value of those rooftops and have a lot more uh, roofs now available for a potential second round of a PPA. But they're trying to figure out whether or not they can um, access uh, grants and or financing to, for direct ownership. You made a comment that it's unlikely that we'd see schools and such move forward with anything but a PPA. That, that, seems, that, that seems to be my um, perception as well. Um, I think they're hesitant to move forward with PPA because they didn't quite get the savings they were hoping because the dominion rates didn't go up as much as they thought. Uh, what what are your thoughts as it relates to uh, a creative way to get uh, provide school systems with um, a way to, for direct ownership? Is it a hybrid approach of a PPA, but a window where they purchase um, during that window after a few years? Or what are your thoughts? So uh, thanks for thanks for the question. Um, two thoughts. Usually, number one, usually in these power purchase agreements there's an option to purchase the solar system uh, after year five. And the reason for year five is that the tax credit equity investor needs to own the system for the first five years in order to preserve the tax credits he received. Yep. Uh, and the second is if they wanted just to purchase it out, outright, I mean, they're effectively not gonna be able to use the, as a brand new system, they're not gonna be able to use the tax credits so they're kind of almost paying 30% more. So if it's a million dollars, if the retail price is a million dollars, well, you know, a for-profit entity would get a $300,000 tax credit. And so their net cost would be $700,000, but the school system would end up with, you know, the full million dollar cost. So it just makes the electricity that they're getting from it 30% more expensive. Yeah, thank you. Okay, great. Um, do we have any questions from those of you on the webinar? If you look on your control panel, you'll see a tab for questions. You can hit the triangle and expand and type in a question. If anyone has a question for Bill. Anyone else in the room have a question? Okay, great. Um, Bill, I know your business um, or Virginia Community Capital focuses on um, small commercial loans. Do you have any additional um, thoughts or advice to share if um, people want to get solar um, for their local business or help our local businesses go solar? So I guess as a volunteer team, um, you know, we're going to be active in our local community trying to help others learn about solar and share the value of going solar. So as, as volunteers or advocates, if they have a colleague or friend who has a local business, you know, what advice would you share on convincing them or 
helping sure. members? Well, one, yeah, one thought I have is, as you may be aware, there's been these solarized or solar co-op programs that have pr primarily been focused on residential users. But um, in order to get discounted pricing or better pricing than if you just walked in, call up solar installer. So maybe that model could be used for businesses in the in a, like the community of Charlottesville. Maybe you had a few businesses interested, they could band together to get more competitive pricing. Thank you, Bill. Um, and then we do have a couple of questions. I will, um, James Ramadan, I see you have a question. I'm going to try to unmute you and you can ask Bill your question. Okay, so James, and then you also have to unmute yourself. Do we have you, James? Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, awesome. Uh, Bill, I just had a quick question. Um, so you mentioned the two approaches. I just wanted to get your take on when you recommend one versus the other. Um, what, what is your recommendation um, there? So I, I can only speak from, my, from our experience of ECC is when it's a nonprofit, they've gone the power purchase agreement route. And when they're a for-profit business, they just end up purchasing it. But there is a size of this kind of a size threshold. So if it's a small system, you know, maybe a 50 or 60 or $100,000 system, a power purchase agreement's probably not gonna be too cost effective because of the legal fees to review legal documents. And you'll find that the solar project developers that do these power purchase agreements are only interested in the larger projects, the projects that are maybe a, a half million dollars or more in cost. So that's another thing to think about. So if you're a, a small church, would be a, a great example of a organization that could benefit from a power purchase agreement because they don't have to put any money up front. You'll be hard to find in, in Virginia an entity that will enter into a, a solar project developer that will enter into a power purchase agreement with you because the economics just don't make sense. So there's a size threshold also. Okay, thanks, Bill. And then we have another question from Nick. So, Nick, I'm going to unmute you. <coughs> okay, great. If you unmute yourself, you can ask Bill your question. Yeah, hi, Bill. Uh, regarding businesses, uh, what's the threshold for maximum uh, solar array? That's a great question, Nick. So, what I've seen happen is the solar installers in Virginia, they'll, they'll go and make a sales call on a small business and they will look at the utility bills and they'll look at the size of the roof and they'll kind of weave those two together to um, figure out, okay, how much solar can we get on the roof? And then what percentage of that, you know, how much electricity will that generate and how much will that reduce the electricity bill? And so we've, we've seen some companies that we've, financed, just put as much solar on their roof as they could physically put on the roof. Sure. Uh, and that and that still may have only met, you know, 70 to 90 percent of their of their electricity demand. Oh, no. The other I, factor I, is how much can I'm you afford? Yeah, I'm understanding that. I mean, from the finance side. Sure. So, yeah, yeah so we've we financed up to 90 percent of the purchase price. Regardless of the amount of kilowatts, correct? 
Correct. If it's, if it's 500 kilowatts because it's uh, $10,000 a month, I'm just estimating here quickly. Uh, uh, then if they uh, up to 90%, so if they put up 50 grand, you'll finance the rest. If the criteria uh, that you said, the uh, credit criteria that you gave was met, seven years, profitable, credit score of the owner. Uh, if it's a uh, LLC, uh, it's still you still use the uh, credit uh, worthiness of the owner? Yes, we do. And we look at the cash flow of the business as well as the financial resources of the owner of the business. Of course. Uh, well, isn't it, isn't it to be understood if, they, you know, if you don't pay your power bill, they shut your lights off and you're out of business, right? Right. And your AC. But isn't it factored in that obviously now you're going to be paying less, uh, including the finance cost? Uh, there will be some savings then uh, just staying with the utility bill. And is that savings considered to uh, in, in, in your uh, approval equation? In other words, it is, yes, that's a great question. Typically, we do not factor in the energy savings. We want to assume the worst case scenario. So we just look at the business cash flow, assume no energy savings. And if they can pay the loan back just on existing cash flow, then we're really happy to make, make a loan. Um, it's, it's not that we don't believe the energy savings are going to show up. You know, we, we full confidence the solar is going to work. It's just kind of we just kind of assume the worst case. Uh, typical, typical financial guys, bean counters. That's hey, right. What if the sun goes out? Bummer. Then they're going to be back on the grid. Not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, Thank you, Nick. Bit of levity. Uh, but uh, Thank you, Nick. Thank yeah, you. We'll take one more question. Um, Go ahead. I see yeah. a, I see a question from. Fred Young, um, and Fred, hold on, give me one second to unmute you. Um, I'm gonna, this is a great question for Bill. Bill was also the former executive director for the Virginia Energy Efficiency Council. So I think he'll be perfect to wrap up the discussion with an energy efficiency question. Go ahead, no. Fred, you can unmute yourself. Uh, am I unmuted? You, we can hear you loud and clear. All right, wonderful. Yes, Bill, thanks so much. Um, my big question is, uh, I, I'm an energy efficiency guy, so I always believe we should reduce before we produce. So why isn't there more focus on reducing building energy demand before we try to cure it with the technology of renewable energy? <laughs> so that's a great question, and it's a question that uh, I've given a lot of thought about because when I joined VCC three years ago, I joined to start their energy efficiency lending program. And I went out and marketed that and no one, three years later, no one has asked for a loan for energy efficiency. And about six months into the job, I, I, I was getting requests for solar financing. So I quickly realized that everyone's interested in solar. So uh, the short answer is in Virginia, there's four or five solar companies. And all they do is they cold call businesses and homeowners and pitch the solar system to them that they they don't talk about energy efficiency uh, it's a perplexing because i you know I, like like you i believe it's much well it's just much more it's just cheaper to do energy efficiency first than to put solar particularly in virginia um so i will say this uh there is one company segora solar in 
in Charlottesville on the residential side, they actually have a reduced program where they will, if you buy a solar system, they will do an energy efficiency overhaul of your house, insulation, air sealing, and duct sealing as part of the solar price. On the commercial side, I've yet to see any of those commercial contractors integrate any energy efficiency into their platform of what they're selling. Yeah, I mean, it, it is ironic because we could reduce the size of systems that we need to put on buildings <laughs> yes. very simply. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is relaxing. Great. Thank you, Thank you so much for your question, Fred. Um, Bill, we'll, we'll wrap it up here and because um, we're at time. And thank you so much for generously sharing your expertise with us today. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or questions or comments for us? No, I, I just thank everybody for your interest. And uh, if you have any questions, you can, if, you, if my email is still up there, you can email me directly or go through Tish. Thank you.